Well, come on in. Come on in. There's plenty of room. If it seems crowded, could you try to stay six feet away from each other, please? You're, uh, you're crowding now. You're getting a little close to each other. I need to control you. I need to control you. Stay in your homes. Don't buy guns. Well, how has it been since last we spoke? Here in California, it's a really nice day, and I understand most of the beaches were, were opened. Oh, my cat's being bad. If you see some weird activity up here, just assume it's cat-related. So, would you like to hear about all the things, all the things that are happening? I know you would. That's why you're here. Let's talk about all the things. So, I have a, uh, a tip for life. All right? So, this is one of the most valuable tips you might ever hear. Now, I'm not sure if it'll work for everyone. It could be that you have to have a certain kind of personality. All right, my cat is getting ready to chase this thing, and she's not going to leave me alone unless I throw it. Well, that totally worked. All right. So here's the tip. I think I wrote about this in my How to Fail at Almost Everything is Still Winning Big Book. One of the tricks to staying motivated and happy and, and feeling that I have meaning in my life... All right, let's stop right there. If I could give you a tip that would totally work, didn't cost you anything, almost no effort, really. In fact, it's better than no effort. The thing you do would actually just feel good. So, so you just have to do something that's easy, and it feels good, and you want to do it, and it would give meaning to your life. It would make you happier. Are you in? Anybody? Anybody? All right, here's the tip. In addition to whatever else you have in your life, whatever ambitions and, and objectives, whatever systems or maybe even goals for some of you, no matter what else is happening in your life, I use this little trick, and I've been using it my whole life, and it's great. I like to have one thing going on in my life that could change the world. Very unlikely it will, but it might. And for my entire life, I've always had at least one thing brewing that if it worked, it would really work a lot. And I didn't care what it was. It could be an idea. It could be a, you know, a book. It could be something like that. I think to, you know, in small ways, um, some things work my way <laughs> in the sense that Dilbert is a household word. You know, Dilbert is actually in dictionaries and people know what that means. So I had a little bit of, you know, a little bit of influence on the, uh, the office cartoon world, but, you know, not, not the most important thing in the world you could change. Um, and, you know, maybe I've had some, some influence here in my book, How to Fail in Almost Everything and Still Win Big, I hear every day from someone who says it changed their life. But, the, you know, those are individual things. But here's, here's, here's my new one. And I have to tell you this because I realize I've been doing something in public that I didn't realize was not... Uh, it couldn't possibly be obvious to anybody else what I was doing. Because <laughs> sometimes there's an internal process. And that is, when I'm talking about the vitamin D stuff, you've all heard me... Said there, there seems to be, as far as we can tell a high correlation between how people do when they get the coronavirus and whether they're vitamin D um, deficient. And this is, uh, I think it's useful and fun to talk about it. But also, what if it's true? (laughs) What if it's true that this is a really big deal? Now, so this, you know, at least for this week, this was my one thing. So my one thing was, because I have this, this weird platform, 
uh, I can attract all these people who actually know what they're talking about. So if you, if you follow me on, uh, t- most of you follow me on Twitter, um, you see that there are uh, quite a few doctors and biologists and immunologists and radiologists and stuff who are weighing in on, on questions that I ask. And while I'm, since I'm not an expert at anything, I'm really bad at answering questions, but I'm good at asking them. And sometimes if you ask a question and you find out nobody has an answer, well, you've kind of learned something. <laughs> and maybe it moves something forward. Maybe in the process you connect a few people who wouldn't have been connected. So when I'm doing this vitamin D stuff, uh, and what, what I mean by that is I'm over-tweeting and interacting with the whole topic. Apparently there's just scads of examples of where vitamin D is so strongly correlated that it could be confirmation bias, but it looks, it feels real. So un- until we get disappointed, uh, much in the way that I think hydroxychloroquine might be not the kill shot that we wanted, maybe it helps a little, uh, I suspect that vitamin D will just be one of those things that turns out to be useful, but you know, not the thing that changes the world. But it might be. And here's why it might be. And here's the little thing that I'm going to add to the conversation, okay? Now, the little thing I'm adding, I don't know if it makes sense. I don't know if it's a good idea. But remember the context. Until I find out it's a bad idea and that what I'm doing is useless, I, have, I can live in this fantasy world. And this is, I'm deadly serious about this. I, I can live in this fantasy world where I'm this close to making something good happen that would change the world, meaning, you know, let's say we discovered for sure it was vitamin D and that caused, you know, a fairly easy solution to happen. So until I find out it's wrong, I get all the, the, the chemistry benefit of working on something that would have great meaning and purpose. Now, do, do you get that I can enjoy the fantasy just like it's real, but at the same time it is real in the sense that it's not impossible. I mean, I've done a lot of things that seemed impossible before I did them. You've seen a few of them. <laughs> if it turns out that Kamala Harris is the uh, the vice presidential nominee and then becomes the real nominee, you will have seen the greatest prediction of all time. So I kind of live in a world where I have this continuous stream of experiences that couldn't possibly be real because they're so unlikely. So this, you know, why couldn't this be another one? Now, here's my little thing that I'm adding, because lots of other people have done the work of, you know, studying the, the chemistry and looking at the correlations and finding out where there's more or less uh, vitamin uh, D. Elizabeth Brown, uh, I've been tweeting her all day, She's really looked into it, and I kind of hope that people will fact-check her. And I think a little of that's going on. So when I, especially on this topic, if I tweet something, it's not because I believe it. Uh, Sometimes I just want to believe it. But I'm looking for smarter people to say, ah, this is crap, this study is bad. In fact, that just happened like an hour ago. And let me get to the part I'm going to add. When I talk about vitamin D, you reflexively think that what I'm talking about is that, that you would give it to people to make them feel better or recover faster. I'm not talking about that. I have no idea if that's a good idea. You know, I know it's been suggested. I don't know anything about that. So I have nothing to add to that. Science, you know, the, the medical community obviously is aware of vitamin D. and you know, So there's nothing I could add to that, right? Um, Likewise, there's this, uh, this thought that maybe if you just supplement and bring yourself up to some certain level, you might have some immunity. So if you were low, you, that might be risky. So maybe it'd be safer to bring it up because that seems to be the, the, the correlation slash causation. But if we've learned nothing since you've watched my periscopes, if you've learned nothing, it's that... Um, Correlation doesn't mean causation. And if there is causation, 
Here's the fun part. You don't really know which way it goes. <laughs> All you know is one thing's causing one thing, but you, you sort of leap to a conclusion that the, the causation is you didn't have enough vitamin D, so something went wrong. But what if everybody who's unhealthy in any way has less vitamin D, and all it is is a co, like a co-marker for somebody who has bad health. Maybe it's the bad health that causes them not to have much vitamin D. Maybe it's the vitamin D shortage that causes them to have bad health. Most likely, it's both. You know, a little bi-directional meaning that if you're really unhealthy, it's probably hard to get the vitamin D you want. Uh, and if you don't get the vitamin D you want, it probably makes you unhealthy. So without being a doctor or anything close to it, it kind of makes sense to me that if there is any causation, it's more likely a little in both, both directions than it is just, hey, here's some vitamin D, you're safe from the coronavirus. But here's the fun part. It doesn't matter. This is the part that I'm going to add, because I think there's an illusion here that people are having trouble seeing past, and I did a terrible job of explaining it, so now I'm going to nail it. It doesn't matter if there's any causation, as long as the correlation is really strong. Here's why. It would be one more important indicator to simply tell you if it was safe to go outside. <laughs> Wouldn't you like one easy-to-test thing that wouldn't tell you everything, but if you had good you know, a vitamin D level that was right in the zone, you would just mathematically be a little safer. Now, and, and suppose you were a little bit low. Well, there's no harm in, in boosting up your vitamin D into the acceptable level. Apparently, there is a way you can overdose, not with the sun, you know, if you get it from the sun, I don't, your body just adjusts. But you could, if you were supplementing, apparently you could overdose. So, um, so don't overdose. But since there's nothing to lose for optimizing your vitamin D, and there's, there's plenty of science to suggest that it's important in lots of ways, there's nothing to lose. And it might, it might tell you, you know, who's at a special risk. So if the only thing it did is tell you who's, re- who's at risk, could be, a, could be a big deal. But causation, hmm, not so sure about that. Um, if you wanted to you know, find out for sure about the causation, I think we already have the right data, don't we? Because you would do things such as, uh, for some reason, the not for some reason, I, I think I have a hypothesis, but... So prisons, several prisons have tested it at like 95 to 100% infection. 95 to 100% infection, infection, but almost nobody dies. <laughs> and they're prisoners. So what's up with that? Here's my assumption. Uh, first of all, and this Elizabeth Brown was saying this as well, that, you know, first of all, if you're in prison, you probably get some time outside. There are a lot of people in just the regular world who don't get any time outside. <laughs> so if you're in prison, you might get a little more sun than people who are not in prison. It's not entirely impossible. I mean, I don't know how often they go outside, but if they get 15 minutes outside, they're probably getting more sun than most people. Secondly, um, it makes sense that because you can't have a prison that is intentionally cruel, that the food is probably engineered, and in fact I've, I've read this, but I don't know if it's true everywhere, is engineered to have the right nutrients, including they supplement with vitamin D. So the weird, ironic thing about being in prison is it might be the healthiest lifestyle you could possibly have, because you don't have stress. You know, if assuming that you're not you know, being beat up by the other prisoners or the guards, I guess. But I would think most of the time you're just bored and you probably get plenty of sleep. You have perfectly balanced meals because you couldn't eat anything else anyway. 
So, you know, you're reading books. <laughs> you know, you might not want to be in jail, I assume. I haven't been in jail. I don't think they're happy about it. But, uh, you know, the, the unhappiness seems to be primarily mental. So they might be super healthy. They got nothing to do but exercise and eat perfect food, supplemented with vitamin D. So you could just compare that group to a group that's not, that's not somehow comparable. Let's say you pick the same ethnicities, same age, same gender, and just say, all right, you're not being supplemented with perfect food and you're not walking outside the, in, the, in the prison yard for 15 minutes a day. How are you doing? You know, we probably have all the data we need. We just have to, you know, find it. All right. If you are not subscribing on, well, I mean following on Twitter, uh, just the real, just the real news, which is at at headsnipe zero one one. You're missing some great stories, because you know when there are big stories, there can be other big stories that you just don't even notice. So there's one that's potentially pretty big story that doesn't have the zip. So. You wouldn't know about it except for just the real news, which picks up a lot of the government um, press release stuff. So apparently this guy, uh, Randy Weber, the House Science, Space Technology Committee, Energy Subcommittee, blah, 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 he's introducing legislation that's going to really boost the nuclear energy business. So it's building a, what is it, the, uh, this little buzzword that you should know. They're building the uh, the versatile test reactor. That's what it is. So the versatile versatile means that it's a test reactor that they can they can test a whole variety of fuels until they find the one that's the great one. Because I guess there are lots of things that can be tested and, and need to be. But the ability to iterate is the main thing that holds back uh, the nuclear energy business. This is something that Naval said when he was on my Periscope a while ago. Uh, that unlike something like a, an iPhone, where you can just sort of crank one out every year, it takes so long to get approval and build a nuclear plant that you can't just say, well, oh, that was almost right, let's build us another one. You can't iterate. But this versatile uh, test uh, reactor will let them iterate far faster than if they were actually building nuclear plants to see if it works. So it's such a, it feels like this small geeky thing, but if this bill gets passed, and I, I think there might be enough support for it, if this bill gets passed, it just sort of unlocks the future. I mean, it might be enormous. Uh, you know, it's the fixed uh, climate change. If if you're worried about it, if you're not worried about it, it's what's driving you know powering your electric car and taking care of your pollution. Um, I mean, the, the the potential is just so enormous that this little technical change in the system. So this is system versus goal that I always talk about. A goal is to build a better nuclear power plant. But it's hard, right? That's why we don't do it so much. It's hard, you know, in, in every way, politically, uh, funding it, you know, the technology. So the solution is to build a system instead. So instead of saying, let's build a nuclear power plant, which was too hard, and not many got built relative to what we need, they build a system instead. So this is why I'm so geeky out about it, because it looks like the thinking about how to do it is exactly right, and we've never had that before. Yeah, just in time for oil to become cheap, right? Somebody says. So Ted Cruz continues to impress me with that. I feel like his political skills are getting better all the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, he is totally stealing technique from Trump to put on a show, right? Because he wasn't always this good. And when I say this good, I mean this entertaining, meaning this much of a showman. And it seems to me 
Ted Cruz is one of these guys you could you could easily underestimate. I mean, he came pretty close to getting you know nominated for the presidency, so maybe you wouldn't underestimate him. But uh, he, he just impresses me sometimes in the way that not too many politicians do. And I always talk about being smart enough to pick up free money, and how Trump—that's like his trademark. He'll simply do the thing that nobody even knew was available. <laughs> and he'll just say, oh, I'll take it. Uh, like, for example, starting the Space Force. Somebody was going to do it. Might as well be him. And then he'll be fra- famous forever as the guy who started Space Force. It was free money. So Ted Cruz goes and gets a haircut from the woman who was just released by the governor from jail for opening up illegally at her little hair, uh, her hair salon. So Ted Cruz puts on his mask, the cameras are rolling, and he goes out and he gets a haircut, and then he comes out and you know, with his mask on gives a, gives a speech about freedom and stuff. And I, I'm not even invested one bit in the story itself. <laughs> you know, I'm, like you, I don't want anybody to go to jail for something like that. It's ridiculous. I'm glad that Texas corrected. Took way too long. I mean, I, I'm not sure I can give Texas that much credit because, you know, releasing her and you know, fixing it was nice, but it shouldn't have happened in the first place, right? So that you can't take that away. Um, so Ted Cruz sees free money. Now, not everybody had the opportunity because you'd sort of have to you know, be close enough <laughs> that you didn't have to take a plane or something. So Ted Cruz picks up the free money. He gets this great press. Uh, you know, you have a laugh about it. Because it's funny. Um, here's the the Trump technique. Trump has layered on his skill stack, you know, his knowledge of politics and business, and then he puts on top of it his showmanship, you know, the reality TV thing and his, you know, showmanship over his entire career because he's always been in, in the public eye. And so he makes it work. And, and it's completely shameless when Trump does it. You know he's putting on a show because he tells you he's putting on a show. Like It's not something you're figuring out. Like He's there to entertain you. When he puts on a rally, it's stand-up comedy. Everybody knows it. He, it's, not, it's not accidentally funny. He's there to entertain because he's, he's figured out, as Ronald Reagan figured out, that a really good combination of skills is entertainment plus politics. It's a really good combo. Uh, you know, president of the Ukraine would, would tell you the same. Quite a few people with theatrical backgrounds have sort of made that work. So Ted Cruz picking up the theatrical chops. Impressive. Nice move. All right. So I'll get, let me give you a movie review of the two movies that are playing. Man, flipping back and forth between CNN and and Fox News. Am I wrong that it's more trippy right now than it ever has been? Have you ever seen it this trippy? It's Matt Gates's birthday. Well, happy birthday to Matt Gaetz. Um, so here are the two movies. Over on Fox News is the continuing story of how Flynn was entrapped by crooked cops who probably committed treason. Uh, not cops, but, you know, uh, say FBI and uh, justice people. And, and that's the story. It was a dirty operation by crooked people against this poor innocent guy, but justice prevailed. president didn't even need to pardon, pardon him because there was so nothing there. And just like there was nothing in the Russia collusion, and now it's all revealed as a hoax. Maybe some of these are, people are going to jail. They're going to pay a big price. That's movie one. I'd say movie one would be sort of a, a drama. Crime drama, wouldn't you say? Crime drama, yeah. And uh, it looks like um, the third act is over because Flynn has, you know, he's escaped certain problems. i got to tell you, I didn't think Flynn was going to get this exonerated. Honestly, you know, I didn't think what he did was so bad, 
but I didn't think he'd get completely exonerated. He was a little more exonerated than I expected. I do, however, think it was completely legitimate because the thing he did wrong, he was entrapped in. <laughs> so if you're entrapped, uh, should you do any, any penalty for being entrapped? I'd say no in most cases. I don't know, maybe there's an exception. Not this one. So in movie two, it's, it's more like a, uh, some kind of fantasy science fiction thing. Or at least this is how it reads to me. So remember, that the whole point of the two movies is that they're playing on the same screen at the same time. We're looking at the same facts, but getting a different movie. And, and the, other, the other thing is that you can't tell which one's the real one. The only thing that matters is which one predicts. So let's, let's see if there's any difference in predictive power here. So movie two, this is one you can see if you go to CNN. Uh, Flynn lied and broke the law, and it's some kind of, and this would be MSNBC would say this too. So Flynn was a criminal. Yeah, clearly he broke a law, lied to the FBI. That's a serious crime. People go to, go to jail for that. Um, it's a miscarriage of justice that he's freed after these crimes. He committed crimes after all a criminal, and, and he's freed? Like, you just let a criminal go? Well, why would you let a criminal go? Obviously, because the Trump administration is corrupt from Trump to Barr, and Barr is just a toady, doesn't think for himself, he's just doing what the president wants. It's a miscarriage of justice, I tell you. Um, not present in movie two is... They blackmailed him by saying they were going to put his son in jail. <laughs> Movie two is silent on the blackmailing the guy and threatening to put his kid in jail. In movie two, he's obviously a criminal. He admitted it. He admitted he was a criminal. So did the Central Park Five. <laughs> people admit they're criminals. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes I can't tell the difference. But we all know that people admit to crimes that they didn't commit. Why would Flynn admit to a crime he didn't commit? Could it be the threatening to put his son in jail? The dwindling fortune as he his entire life is drained out through through his lawyers could be one of those things maybe so and then just before I got out I was, I was looking this is what CNN is interpreting Trump to have meant when Trump was talking about the members of the uh, who was it the uh, Pence assistant uh, and also his valet so they've, they've tested positive for coronavirus and so the president was saying how often they're tested. They're tested every day. And he made the point that, you know, that one of them was tested negative one day, and then the very next day they uh, tested positive. And the president was, you know, saying, you know, like, that's why it doesn't help to test. Basically, he was saying something like, it doesn't help to test because, you know, the very next day could be the day you're positive. Now, CNN's interpretation of that is that he actually means that testing is worthless. <laughs> and that what, he's crazy. It's like telling, it's the follow-up to uh, he advised drinking bleach. So they're interpreting the fact that he noted there's a flaw that you could get it the day after you had a test. That's just a statement of fact. It's an actual flaw. Now, to extend that to say that he thinks that testing is a bad idea and can't work is a pretty big, um, it's a pretty big stretch. Somebody says Bill Gates agrees. Yes, let me, let me connect those dots. Um, Bill, Bill Gates does agree that if you're not doing massive testing, like really available to everybody and they can get a lot of them, you can't test your way out, and we're nowhere near the number that we would be able to do that. So the president hasn't said that, but it's a big stretch to go from, yeah, you could get it the day after the test, which everybody knew. Was it, was it new news? Was anybody surprised that you could get it the day after you got a test? I mean, you have to get it someday. 
<laughs> Why couldn't that be true? It's like nothing really happened. We always knew you could get it the day after you got a test. So, uh, anyway, that's the CNN interpretation. Did you see the video of the creepy little four-legged robot that's uh, patrolling uh, a park in uh, is it Hong Kong? It's a little robot, a four-legged robot that walks like that crazy dog. I don't. It's a General Dynamics robot, and it, it's really creepy because it it's got these little stick paws, stick, 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 and it looks like it. You know, the worst scary sci- sci-fi movie, and it's going to chase you down and kill you with the other robot dogs. And it's just walking through the park saying, keep your distance, <laughs> social distance. Oh, somebody says it's Singapore. Is that right? Is that what the... Are my notes incorrect? It seems so impossible. Yes, Singapore it is. Fact check, correct. It is Singapore. Um, so Nate Silver who is really, really interesting in, on the coronavirus stuff. Now, you know, I know that if, if it were purely political, you know, you would think, oh, you probably think he's leaning left, whatever. But I don't know, I'm not so sure that's true. Meaning that he, he's, certainly not, he's, he's certainly not nailed up on the left. Meaning that if the numbers go a different direction, he follows the numbers. So he does have a quite independent, uh, I would say, uh, largely unbiased view, and when he's talking about the coronavirus, there's not much bias to be had. Everybody just wants it to be better. So he says he's uh, bothered, because there are a lot of stories in the media that they say the, uh, the number of infections is going up, and they, they don't mention that the number of testing is going up, which, of course, means the number that you, numbers that you detect is going up because you're testing more. Now, and, and he's just sort of calling out the various, uh, the various publications. And I guess the New York Times on Monday published uh, the, the story titled this, As Trump pushes to reopen, government sees virus toll nearly doubling. How do you like that headline? They don't mention that the reason it's nearly doubling, or at least some part of the reason, is that the amount of testing probably doubled. <laughs> don't you think that was sort of important context? Well, Nay Silver does, so he's been calling him out for that. All right, let me give you a review of the new press secretary, Kelly McEnany. Um, you, have all of you seen some of her uh, some of her recent performances? How many has she done now? Two or three? Uh, I've seen bits of some, and I saw a lot of this last one. And here is my review of her performance as press secretary. Maybe the best ever. Maybe the best ever. And here's why I say that. Because the best ever really depends on the, the fit, right? It's not like there's no such thing as the best, um, the best press secretary. What, what, you, what there is is the best fit for their boss, you know, the one who represents their boss the best. And while there, there have been plenty of capable press secretaries, I can't imagine a better fit for Trump than, than what we're witnessing. And here's why. Same point I made with um, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has upped his game tremendously by learning from the president to, to put on some show. Apparently, Kaylee McEnany, now sort of freed from the confines of her mere punditry that she's famous for in political seasons, she seems to be free to put on a show. And I would love to know to what extent she actually talked with the president about it. Like, I wonder if they had an explicit conversation where either he suggested, like, go big, you know, just go big. Maybe he might have, you know, put on a show. Or did she say, do you mind, you know, would you mind if I make this fun? Or is it just understood? Because, you know, she knows who he is, 
he hired her for a reason. You know, maybe they just understand that. So I'd love to know what the conversation was like. But if you didn't catch some of her performance, apparently what she's, uh, her act is going to be, and I think I could watch this forever, by the way, so I think she's done it three times. And what it is is she has some kind of little press book with all of her zingers lined up in anticipation of exactly what questions are going to be asked. And then she just, and then she waits for the question, and she, then she goes to the zinger, and they're really good. Best zingers yet. So here, here are some of them. Um, so one was, you know, the president was blamed for underplaying the virus at one point early on. So, so you know, and should he apologize for it or something like that? And without missing a beat, she flips open a page and she, and she starts reading off the headlines. Should the Washington Post apologize for this headline? And then she reads all these different anti-Trump publication headlines that totally were said the same thing he said, that it wasn't a big deal, it's just the flu, blah, blah, blah. And, it's like, and then she just smiles and walks off. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was like the best ending for a press conference because it was so prepared. Now, I think some people tried to criticize her because it was a prepared response to which I say a prepared response that works really well and becomes the, you know, one of the main clips shown on television completely transmits her point that it was generally, people were generally on the same page about that same time be they Trump or be they Trump's critics. They were sort of all on the same page because we had all had bad information from China. So it did everything you'd want to do. It, it put on a show. Uh, it became the clip that was circulated. It, it, she executed it perfectly because she has all this experience from you know, her punditry, etc. But you thought, uh, you thought she was done? <laughs> It looks like she had another prepared one that she landed uh, that I think was even better. So one of the anti-Trumpers asked uh, basically why she had said bad things about Trump in 2015 uh, when she was actually, I think she was working on somebody else's campaign, and she said bad things about Trump because he was just one of the people running. And and they asked her you know, why she said that, and now, now she's working for him. And... <laughs> And she said that back in 2015, for a few months, she made, she made the mistake of watching CNN and naively believing it. <laughs> she, so, so, she, so she accepted that what she said in the past was stupid and wrong, but it's because she watched CNN and believed it. <laughs> and the reason it's so funny is because it's completely compatible with what CNN was reporting. What they, what, they, what they blamed her for saying was exactly what CNN was and still does report. So she goes, well, I just naively believed CNN. <laughs> and, and it's so disarming because this feels like a, uh, like a Trump move. I swear she studied him or something. Because even referring to herself as being naive, for you know, that's that's the disarming part. Because you can't say you were naive. Oh, you said you were naive. Okay, you can't even blame her for being naive because she just. And then what do you got left? All right. Uh, well, you shouldn't have believed CNN. No, I can't go with you shouldn't have believed CNN. I'll go with they weren't re- saying. No, they were saying exactly that. Um, but I'll go with, well, you shouldn't have believed. Well, we kind of think you should believe them. <laughs> so it just took everything off the table. It looked like it was prepared as well. Um, and then she was prepared with this uh, thing about the uh, talking. And then she just went after CNN for running with the Russia collusion narrative. And uh, this was the best, I think this was the best little closer on this. So she's going after uh, CNN because all of these people said these horrible lies that we now know are lies, and she was you're talking about Clapper and Loretta Lynch, and she she rattles off all these sort of bad people who are CNN staple guests, and 
And she says, CNN, view- CNN viewers might be confused about all this because <laughs> they don't get to see the news. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, the CNN viewers might be confused at hearing these names because they, they have no idea what's going on. And she's so right. CNN view- viewers literally, literally, they don't know what's going on. They don't know the treason happened. <laughs> they actually don't know it. It's not like they've looked at you know, both sides of the argument and decided they'd like this one. They actually don't know it. <laughs> what kind of a world do we live in where an attempted overthrow of the government that was the biggest story for three years, when we finally get to the truth, the network that's been promoting it just shuts down the truth. And they, they hide the facts they still have to report the basic facts, but the way they're doing it is they're burying it in other contexts, so you can barely you can barely pick out the narrative that they're trying to hide. And they do it really well, though. I must I'll give them that. All right. Um, that is just about all I wanted to say. Um, Joe Biden. So. Could you be more amused? I don't know how many times I've laughed at this, that the, the Democrats are, are so mad about Trump, they hate him so much that they're willing to back Biden, who clearly is, you know, I've referred to him as a burlap bag full of twigs and, and hair. There's just nothing in there. And... The fact that they would prefer him, and they would even take him, and they expli- more and more people are explicitly saying, he might have been a little rapey, but we still prefer him over Orange Man Bad. And to watch them have to throw away all of their um, alleged principles, to throw away everything they've ever said about following the facts, Using reason, picking somebody whose personality is stable and you could you know depend on them in an emergency, getting somebody who's finally smart, somebody who's got control of his faculties. They didn't get any of that. <laughs> yeah, I feel as if you could have packed a room with you know Democrats, just say randomly selected Democrats. And, you know, throw a, I don't want to say throw a dart because I don't want to make this violent. So throw a ping pong ball, you know, into a room full of Democrats. And whichever one it hit first, ping, just say, you, you, I don't even know who you are. But the ping pong ball hit you in the head. Come up here. You're the next candidate for the president of the United States. Tell me the truth. Could you pick a better candidate than Joe Biden? that would represent the Democratic Party better in every way, with a ping-pong ball thrown into a darkened room packed full of Democrats who didn't get the memo about social distancing. Right? Literally every single person in the Democratic Party, except Hillary maybe, would be a better choice. I challenge you, Adam Schiff would be a worse choice, maybe. Well, at least he can think. (laughs) He might be corrupt, but he can think. All right. Um, So I, I get endless entertainment for that. There is still some kind of belief that he can win. And stranger things have happened, right? So much could happen over the summer. Who knows? But did you see the uh, stock market today? <laughs> the stock market. So my my uh, you know I have a retirement account for being a small business. So my SAP is actually back to the highest point it's ever been. Did you see that coming? Now my regular you know other other assets are nowhere near that, but they're they're not that far off. They're probably ten or fifteen percent away. So they're kind of where they were, I don't know, a year or so ago. So basically the stock market has already backed Trump. 
don't tell me I'm wrong, the stock market has already backed Trump. Because it wouldn't be high without this. The, his, his optimism about 2021, and I keep telling you that the economy is a psychology machine, as long as you don't have shortages. And we're, we're coming into a situation where we have extra of everything. Extra employees, extra space to rent, unfortunately. The only thing we don't have is a lot of credit. It will probably fix that as well. So Trump, in a, in a world that doesn't have a shortage, because you can't always fix a shortage easily. That's the hardest thing. But if you have all the parts, it's a psychology engine. Trump has already convinced you that 2021 is going to be freaking great. Ask yourself this. Is there any chance the stock market would be as high as it is right now? And it's been pretty solid the last few days. Is there any chance that would be happening if the entire financial community and everybody who buys stock had not decided that when President Trump said 2021 is going to be freaking amazing? They believe it. They believe it. <laughs> right? I think they believe it. And, and the story is actually quite believable. I actually believe it myself. But here's the cool part. You can actually believe this into reality. The economy is the one thing you can actually manifest with your thoughts. Maybe not you personally. But collectively, as long as you're sort of following the leader, in this case, the the president's estimation of what 2020 will look like, as long as we're collectively buying into that, it has to happen. Because it's the believing it will happen that allows you to get a loan. (laughs) You can't get a loan if somebody believes things are going in the wrong direction. So you can manifest the recovery with your minds, literally, with your minds. That's what makes the the physical stuff happen. And the president has already pulled off a miracle completely unreported. Tell me if I'm exaggerating. The president has just taken the worst economic disaster of my lifetime, and I've been around a while. It's the worst one of my lifetime. And he has convinced you that in a mere, uh, let's say, nine months, we're going to be hitting really good times. And people have believed it. It's really, really amazing. And I don't think, you know, I think people will imagine that they came to it on their own, right? People are going to say, well, we, you know, we kind of figured that out on our own. That's not what happened. No, the president convinced everybody who has a dollar that they can invest... He convinced them this would be a good time to do it because if you wait to next year, you've already missed the run-up. It worked. So I've said this before. I was you know, fairly brutal on the president for some of his early task force performance, you know, too much politics, too much about him. You know, you know the laundry list. It just, it just wasn't a strong performance, some of that stuff. But I've said from the start, if you could pick one person in the universe to be your president when you're coming back online. And the thing you need more than anything is somebody to tell you, 2021, wow, it's going to be amazing. And he provided that. He was the right guy in the right place. You would not want anyone else in the universe to be in that job right now. True. All right. Um, somebody says, I don't think it's retail investors behind the recovery. I don't know. I think it's everybody. Uh, I, I haven't seen any statistics, but I would imagine it's fairly broad. Just a guess. Don't know. Please do sleep meditation. Yes, I will. It's time for all of you to start winding down. I thought I would end with that little bit of feel-good news. I think that there's some really good news ahead of us. You can kind of feel it. And tomorrow, maybe even tonight, you're going to start thinking to yourself, 
is there any way I could change the world? Even if it's unlikely. What would you have to do in a very small way tomorrow? Could be just the smallest little step. Maybe you look something up. Maybe you talk to somebody. Maybe you just think about it. But what could you do to feel like you've started something that might, maybe it won't, but it might, change the world for the better? And then see how it feels. It'll make you feel like you have meaning, even though it's somewhat fantasy, or is it? Because you, you've heard this said before by somebody smart. Somebody, somebody will say, well, one person can't change the world. And then, I forget who said it, but somebody smart said, it's always one person. It's always one person who changes the world. Because everything starts with one person. And if you think you can't change the world, look at the people who have. Do they they have something you don't have? Well, they're different, but maybe not. Maybe you can be part of changing the world. At the very least, we'll need a lot of help pulling out of this little economic downturn, so I know I can count on all of you. And right now, I want you to take a deep breath from your diaphragm. And then exhale. One more. Breathe through your nose. Deep breath. Now exhale. Feel your body relaxing, the stress leaving you. And remember your exercise. Squeeze your fist as hard as you can until your muscles are exhausted. And then just release it. Feel how good it feels. Then pick another muscle. Could be your other hand. Could be your arm. Whatever order you want to do it. Squeeze that muscle. Then relax it. Think about your breathing. Breathe deeply and slowly. And feel yourself drifting off. Thinking about how you, just maybe, could change the world. And watch how good it feels. You're going to have a great night's sleep tonight. And when you wake up tomorrow, most of you, not every one of you, but most of you, are going to wake up thinking, wow, I feel really good today. And I will see you in the morning. <laughs>